Okay, so we are doing now Friday's portion of Bahar, again, because this is a leap year. So the portions of Bahar and Chukosai that normally are joined are separated because we have extra weeks. <laughs> so we are up to chapter 25, verse 39. So this is really, in a sense, a continuation of yesterday's, but a new topic. If your brother becomes impoverished with you and is sold to you, you shall not work with him with slave labor. So now we're talking about a certain category of slaves where a slave sells himself because of his poverty. Meaning, within Jewish slaves, there are two types of slaves. The first category, when the concept is introduced in Exodus, Shemos, and the portion of Mishpatim laws, it speaks of the slave sold by the court because he stole something and doesn't have the funds to repay it. There's a certain set of laws for him. Within that section, also in Exodus, Shemos, Mishpatim, we discuss a slave girl, a young girl that her father sold because of poverty. With all the laws there, there are many, many laws because there are many ways uh, the Torah tries to help this girl, and there are many extra ways that she can be free as versus any other slave including, of course, if she wanted, by marriage, if, again, it was mutual on both sides, to the owner, to his son, or additional ways to help her redeem herself. And then here we're talking about a Jew that sold himself because he was so poor, he was so destitute, that he just they couldn't survive. So he sold himself to have the money and to be taken care of, as we'll see in these verses. So if your brother is impoverished with you and is sold to you, he's not working with slave labor. So what does slave labor mean? So I just it means demeaning labor, something that's clearly identifiable as a slave. We don't mean difficult labor. He can do hard labor, but labor that a, a regular worker would do, but not demeaning labor, like carrying your clothing behind you to the bathhouse, putting on your shoes. I mean, that's like, that's not, you're, a regular person that you hire to work won't do those things for you. So don't treat this Jew this way as well. It's actually, there are many, many, many laws um, regulating the treatment of a Jewish slave. Of course, within all categories of slave, the slave sold by the court because he stole and couldn't repay, the slave girl sold because of her parents' poverty, and this slave who sold himself because of his poverty. There are many ways they can be freed. The regular slave goes out after seven. Even if he wants to stay long, he has to go out by the jubilee year, as we're going to read. And there's also many laws regarding the care you have to take of them when they're your slave, which is why our sages say that if you buy a Jewish slave, you're really buying, as they call it, a master for yourself. Because there's so many laws, they have to treat them properly, which, of course, will lead someone to say, well, but I need a slave, as we'll discuss in today's portion. Like a hired laborer or resident, shall he be with you. Until the Yovel, shall he work with you. So a hired laborer or resident, meaning you have to treat him just like you would someone you're paying which either means he can work the land, agricultural labor, like you could hire people to work your land, or he could be a craftsman. You would hire people to be a craftsman. So those types of works you can give him because those types of works are honorable and a free man would do them. But these other things that only a slave would do, you're not allowed to have him do. And until the Yovo, he can work for you because when the Yovo comes, and it could come in 49 years, or it could come literally that year, he goes out by the Yovo. All Jewish slaves go out after seven years. 
meaning the seventh year, they're, they're free. So in essence, they're slaves for six years. But if a person was a slave and three years later is the Yovel, then they go out at that point. So whenever the Yovel comes, they're free. If it's within the first six years, where then by the seventh year they'd be free. Or sometimes it happened that these Jewish slaves had a very good life. Again, if you're a, a religious person and you're following all the laws, you have to treat these Jewish slaves very well. You have to take care of them. You have to take care of their spouse. You have to take care of their children. You can't give them demeaning work. You're treating them like a, a, a hired worker. You're, you're being good to them. So if this person had a really hard time out in the free world and he couldn't make it, and they were starving, and they didn't have clothing, and they didn't have shoes, and they didn't, and, and like, hey, this is a much better life. They might want to stay. Now, God, in a sense, doesn't really want them to stay a slave to you. That's not what we want. But if they make that choice, they can, but until the Jubilee year, until the Yovel year. When the Yovel comes, even if they say, I want to stay with you forever, like it or not, you're free with the Yovel year. But if you're within the six years of servitude and the Yovel comes, you're free then. Then he shall leave you, he and his children with him. He shall return to his family and return to the heritage of his ancestors. So the verse says, he and his children with him. So the question is, what do you mean his children? His children weren't sold into slavery. You're not allowed to sell them into slavery. It was just himself. So what does it mean his children are freed? From here we understand that the master is obligated to take care of the children. So if a Jewish man sells himself as a slave or is sold by the court as a slave for for stealing. In either case, the master better find out before, does he have a wife and how many kids? Because he has to support the wife and children the entire time this man is a slave for him. So he returns to the heritage of his, the heritage of his ancestors, meaning to the dignity of his ancestors, that you can't demean him, oh, he was a slave. And also to the position, whatever the position of his ancestors was. And of course, if it's the Jubilee year when he's leaving, he also gets back his ancestral portion, which means now hopefully he has a way to support himself so he won't find himself in the same situation he was in a few years ago. For they are my slaves, whom I have taken out of the land of Egypt. They shall not be sold by the selling of a slave. So they're my slaves, meaning my contracts with them comes before yours. So don't feel bad. Well, I have to. I bought this man, and Joe, Jubilee year was three years later. And I, uh, First of all, you knew that when you bought him. <laughs> So you should have had that in mind with the price, but they're my slaves, and I was just allowing you to use as your slaves temporarily. My 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 deed with them comes before yours, so don't feel bad about this. And because they're my slaves, you have to honor them. So you can't sell them like a slave, meaning by a slave, a slave is put up on a selling block. A slave is said, oh, here's a slave for sale. Here's a slave for sale. You can't do that. That's considered very, very demeaning, very degrading. And therefore, you can denigrating, and you cannot do that to another Jew. Do not subjugate him through hard labor. You shall have fear of your God. So what does it mean, hard labor? We already said he can't do slave-like work that is not hard, but just belittling. We already said he can do regular work, even if it's hard, like agricultural work, craftwork he can do. So what does it mean that by hard labor? What it means is more like in a psychological space hard. It means labor that there's no need for. You're just giving him a job to, like, oh, he's my slave. I want him to work. Well, I don't need it. Well, it doesn't make difference. I want to get my money's worth. So you say, oh, warm up this cup for me that you don't need. Or you say, oh, hold under the vine until I come. Like, you don't know when you're coming back. He doesn't know when you're coming back. We just want to keep him busy. 
So again, not that these things are hard in terms of physically physically arduous, but they're hard because they're pointless. Physically, well, nobody knows. I mean, nobody knows that this is pointless. Maybe I need that out the cup. Maybe I, I need this 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 place hold. God knows. That's why it says you shall fear of God. And your slave or your maidservant whom you may own from the nations who surround you, from them you may purchase a slave or a maidservant. So the person is saying, wait, I, I, I can't use this, this Hebrew servant for my personal services. So who am I going to use? In other words, nowadays we don't need slaves, but we have uh, washing machines and dryers. We might have dishwashers. We have cars. We have vacuum cleaners. We have many uh, slaves, so to speak, that make our life easier and faster. In those days, they didn't. So they really, really felt a need, if they could afford it, to have people to help them. But here we're told there's so many limits on the Jewish slaves. So what are you going to do? They said, so get a non-Jewish slave. But the question is, wait, I can't get a non-Jewish slave because I was told it's a prohibition to take possession of the people from the original seven nations who occupied the land of Canaan because they're all supposed to have been killed out when the Jews originally conquered. Now, they weren't all killed out. So many of them were still alive afterwards because the Jews at that time didn't kill everyone out. But that doesn't make a difference. You're still not allowed to use them in any fashion because they should have been killed out. So here you are. You're living in Israel. You're trying to serve God. If you get a Jewish slave, boy, you're going to have a lot of problems, a lot of obligations to him and his family for a long time, not worth it. And you know a lot of neighboring Gentiles that sell slaves, yeah, but they're originally from these seven nations, so, okay, they're alive, but they weren't supposed to be alive, and I'm not allowed to use them as slaves, so what am I supposed to do? So the Torah says, from the nations that surround you, meaning, don't take non-Jewish slaves from those original seven nations, but I mean, you're surrounded by other countries, you can purchase from their slaves. Also, from among the children of the residents who live with you, from them you may purchase from their family that is with you, whom they had were born in your land. They shall remain yours as an ancestral heritage. Also, we have another idea. So first, so we're giving you a few ideas here. Jewish slave, not worth it. Non-Jewish, native, Kanani, not allowed. So we gave, we're giving you two perspectives, two strategies. Either go to a neighboring country, get from there a slave, not a problem. Or even it's possible, in Israel, there could be people that men, Gentiles from other lands, came and settled in your land, and they fathered children with the native women. Those children you're allowed to purchase as slaves because even though 50% of their blood is Kanani, they're from the seven native lands, but one's nationality, so to speak, one's racial uh, uh, label is coming from the father, not the mother. So even if the mother is a Kanani, if the father came from another country, and this child is born in this land of Israel, which means they're viewing it as Canaan. It doesn't make a difference. They're not considered Canaanim, and you can purchase them as slaves. You shall keep them in your possession for your sons after you to inherit as a possession, and you shall work with them forever. But with your brethren, the children of Israel, a man with his brother, you shall not subjugate him through hard labor. So these 
non-Jewish slaves, you can keep forever. Meaning a Jewish slave, as we said, goes out after six years. I mean, they work for six years, the seventh year, they're free. And even if they want to stay with you by the Jubilee year, they have to leave. But a non-Jewish slave, they keep forever, and then they have children, and they're, you know, like, no problem. So we're looking here, this Rashi focuses on the grammatical construction of the word, you shall keep them in your possession. So the, which I can't say the phrase, you shall keep them in your possession for your sons. The Hebrew is v'hisnachalten. So the question is, how do we translate that word grammatically? We might think it means inherit them to your sons, which has the same root word of nechala, inherit them to your sons. But the problem is the con- grammatical construction, because the grammatical construction, I'll say the word again, vihis nachaltem, there's a suf before the root word, nechala, nechal, and that suf in grammar is hispael, which means reflexive. So the hispael reflects back to you. So if the translation was, you should inherit them to your children, it's not reflecting back to you, so it doesn't work. So if that's what the verse meant, you should inherit them to your children, it would have said, but since there's that stuff in there which makes it reflexive, it doesn't mean to inherit, but it's something reflexive, you should keep them for yourself, for your sons. And then there's this extra phrase in the verse, seemingly an extra phrase, a man with his brother. I'll read it again to see why that's extra. You shall give them your possession for your sons after you turn out of possession. You shall work with them forever, but with your brethren, the children of Israel, a man with his brother. You should not subjugate him through hard labor. So what's this, a man with his brother? So it's to include what this whole section was focusing on was treating your brethren properly if through very unfortunate circumstances they became slaves. But we're broadening this, a man with his brother, to any other situation where one Jew has an authority over another, like a king over the people, um, a leader over the people. In any of these situations, you also have to treat them kindly. You can't give them pointless labor. You can't have them work unnecessarily hard. So anytime there's two Jews in that type of relationship, even if it's not a master-slave relationship, but any such relationship where one has authority over the other, there's the injunction to treat the other Jew carefully, compassionately, and not unnecessarily give them hard work.